Hey, it's your boy, Jamery Parker. Back at it. Good job, Emery. All right. <laughs> We're glad that Emery's back. Yeah. He um, suffered a bad injury. I did. Uh, you probably noticed that we didn't have an episode last week, and that is because I fell and busted my face open pretty bad. Actually, Brooks was there. I was there. I she took me to the I hospital. took him to the hospital yeah. after he uh, tried to tell me, I'm fine. Uh, like, I'm you're fine. bleeding I'm from fine. your face. <laughs> uh, anyway, I'm fine. I lived. We are back now, and we're going to plow straight ahead back into our regular schedule. So this week, we're going to talk about a topic that has been a thing here in Charleston for a long time, but recently cropped back up in the news. That's Palmetto Roses. So if you live here in Charleston or have visited any of the popular tourist areas, you've likely been approached at some point by a young person trying to sell you roses made out of palmetto fronds. There's a lot more history and a good bit of controversy behind these sales than you might realize. We've got two guests with us this week to unpack it all. City Editor Robert Barra. Hi. He'll walk us through some of the history. And we have public safety reporter Greg Yee. Hello. And he's here to discuss the most recent incidents. So, Robert, can you start us off by giving a little bit of background on the history of Palmetto Rose sellers? Sure. The making of Palmetto Roses may go back to more than a century. There's actually a company out there that claims that they were made and given out as tokens of, of affection to Civil War soldiers heading off to that, heading off to battle. I don't know if that's actually been verified, but really the roses began cropping up and the rose makers and sellers in great numbers only a couple of decades ago, really in the early, in early mid-2000s. That's when a lot of um, young African-American youth started showing up in and around city parks and on city streets selling them. And that created a lot of tension among some who felt that they were being overly aggressive and all that. And, and it caused some anxiety and began a discussion. And what ultimately happened was um, a former state representative, uh, Jimmy Bailey, who actually one point ran for mayor decided um, that you know, these these kids are doing a good thing. They're they're learning entrepreneurship skills. They're trying to make some money for themselves. That this is a this is something the city ought to encourage. And so he knocked on Mayor then Mayor Joe Riley's door, and they got to talking. And and um, Jimmy Bailey convinced the mayor to to essentially put a program in place that would that would regulate them. And so what what happened was they. Jimmy Bailey worked with Yes Carolina, a nonprofit that encourages entrepreneurship, and they created a week-long program for young for youths who are interested in making and selling these. And they would graduate and essentially get a sort of a license that would give them uh, permission to sell these roses in the city in various places. Now, the program taught them, you know, things about you know being polite and about how to do things and not to. Not to make their presence um, unwelcomed for other merchants or other people. It was essentially a kind of a crash course on how to not only be a good salesman for Palmetto Roses, but how to sort of be a good ambassador for the city as well. And I think many people feel that worked really well. In fact, the program itself won a national award um, from the Mayor's Institute. It won a livability award um, back, I think, in 2009 and has generally worked Pretty well up until this year. So are you required by law to go through the program to sell them? Yeah. City ordinance uh, that was passed 
basically says, if you are going to sell Palmetto Roses, you have to go through the city program and you have to, you know, get the business license that comes with it. You have to wear a uniform uh, and you have to use the Palmetto fronds that are provided by the city. So what's the problem now? Well, there's always been, uh, like Robert was just saying, these kids that go around and, and some young adults as well that go around and, and they're not licensed. And apparently some of them have been causing issues with uh, just like verbal confrontations. Uh, police as well as merchants and the general manager of the market were telling me last week that there were even some incidents of people getting mugged. Uh, the Apparently some of the victims were actually kids that were part of the city program. Um, and so these, so that the suspects are people that are trying to sell them that haven't gone through the program. Is that correct? Right. Last week, while I was doing some reporting on uh, the two stories that I wrote, I was talking to some of these kids that are selling without permits, really mostly spoke to some young adults, but there were some kids in the mix as well. And what they were saying to me, and none of them wanted to be identified by name or anything like that, but what they were telling me is, you know, we don't see why we need a permit to sell stuff that we've always been making. And, and one of the kids was saying, or what, well, he's 25, he's not a kid, but uh, one of the young men I was speaking to said, you know, I've been making these roses since before there was a city program. I'm making forever. I don't see why we need to do this. And, you know, to his credit, at least while I was there and while I was kind of speaking to some other people beforehand, he appeared to be very just kind of calm and, and wasn't causing a disruption. But just if people wanted to buy a rose, they'd walk up to him and he'd sell him a rose for two bucks. So, Robert, like when you were reporting on this, when this went into effect in 2007, right? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, did we see that kind of pushback from the sellers when the city first put this into place? Or is that kind of a newer I think element? that's sort of a newer that's sort of a newer element. I think the program was really pretty warmly embraced and seemed to to solve the problem. I mean, if there were minor incidents, and there very well could have been, I don't think they made the news back back then. Um, so, I think, it, like I said, it's been generally a success. This idea that there are maybe several out there who just don't believe they should have to do it—that's um, that's perhaps pretty new. So we haven't seen a lot of like yeah violent incidents until last week. Is that well, no, there was a case last year, uh, really, I think what kind of started this discussion going again in earnest was uh, last July, there was an incident where a young man was selling roses in the city market without a permit, and he was arrested by a Charleston police officer, and the incident was caught on video, it caused the whole controversy, and it I think really is uh, what started the ball rolling on this again, but incident you're talking about last week, yes, there was a group of uh, young juveniles, as they're identified in the police report, or referred to in the police report as, a uh, group of juveniles in the city market selling roses without a permit, and a adult male doesn't really give an age or anything like that. There's no real names attached to this report or anything, but an adult male kind of gets in a verbal argument with them and threatens to go get his gun and then walks off, presumably. To his car and uh, no gun was ever seen or anything like that. No handgun or any firearm was ever brandished. But uh, in speaking to some city officials, they've really said, you know, given the changes that happened last week, closing three out of four of the uh, existing kiosks and then pushing finally toward securing a spot in the city market among the vendors for the Palmetto artisans 
as the licensed kids are known as. You know, that incident last week was really kind of the, as they put it, the enough is enough sort of moment for city officials. And they said, um, you know, it, it was just kind of a cumulative effect that built toward enacting some of the changes that we saw last week. Which is, and those changes were closing the booths. Closing then, three out of four booths. And then making a permanent. And then securing a permanent spot that will open at the beginning of the school year in Charleston City Market. Is it like, what's the difference between having those booths and a permanent spot? Why do they think that's going to improve things? So I think, one, I think the city market itself, like inside, gets um, obviously a lot of traffic. But I think the city kind of sees this as a way to, you know, have just all the kids in a centralized location that sell the roses and to be clear, this this is, won't be the only place where they sell. They also will continue to sell at River Dogs games. Uh, they're also looking, as uh, the city spokesperson Jack O'Toole put it, uh, for additional opportunities. And is that all all those locations are part of the same program? Yeah, the okay. Palmetto Artisan Program. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I'm kind of curious. Um, just to back up a second, like yeah. what what do we know about the the history of of these Palmetto roses and and how they're related to to Charleston? Why why is this <laughs> what what do we know about that? Not a lot. I don't know that <laughs> I don't know that there's a real definitive research. Like I said, they really seem to be a, a pretty recent sort of craft, at least very visible. However, what we do know is they are related, in a sense, to the city's very rich sweetgrass basket um, program. That the sweetgrass baskets, of course, are originally date back, have their origins back in Africa. And they were brought over here, and they were unlike the roses, which are just purely decorative items. This, this, the basket tradition was very much uh, a crucial sort of utilitarian part of Charleston, the Low Country's rice culture. I mean, that was big baskets were how you threw the ice rice in the air and and got rid of the chaff. And so the baskets, and then of course. After the baskets were, I mean, no longer needed, after the rice culture disappeared, that's when the, the basket sowers themselves began putting up roadside stands along Highway 17 and Mount Pleasant and began selling them more as sort of household objects and and eventually kind of as they're seen today as very special souvenirs and even works of art. There are some in the Smithsonian Museum. And of course, sweetgrasses, palmetto fronds are are part of the material that are used to make sweetgrass baskets. And I think the roses uh, were something that the tradition of that probably grew out of or, or is sort of a, a smaller subset of perhaps this larger kind of craft tradition that we see in Charleston's African-American community. This is completely unrelated, but I just want to give people a, a piece of a interesting little trivia. We have a food podcast called The Winnow, and it actually its name comes from that tradition of, of the winnowing the, the rice and the big oh, you know, sweet rice basket. That was Hannah Raskin's idea. Oh, oh yeah. Listen to The Winnow, <laughs> so, yeah, too. It's another podcast. Sorry. Sorry for, the, sorry for the plug. All yep. ties together. Um, but, you know, I was thinking, and Robert, you could definitely speak to this a lot better than I can, but... It, um, we talk about like how Charleston has become a tourist destination. That was, you know, kind of like a big push um, under Mayor Riley. Is that an accurate mm-hmm. thing to say? Okay. This is all when I was pretty young. So uh, forgive me for not knowing exact timeline of this. But early 2000s is kind of when, I mean, Charleston really starts like accelerating as a tourist destination. And that's also kind of where you see, you know, these 
Palmetto Rose sellers crop up, right? Right. Um, and now we're kind of at a point where, you know, locals are kind of, rea- it's become such a tourist destination and it's developing so much that locals, um, people that live here are becoming almost frustrated by it. Yes. So, you know, I kind of, it's weird. Like, it feels like almost like the Palmetto Rose is like, it's like a metaphor for like, you know, if you look at now that the people that sell them are becoming frustrated mm-hmm. with the city and um, just in the same way that we're seeing a lot of people that have, you know, that it, as gentrification happens and, mm-hmm. you know, I just kind of wonder if there's kind of a correlation between. Well, there's certainly you can look at the whole saga with the Palmetto Rose sellers as a, as a salt very small subset of this much larger Charleston debate that we're having over, over tourism and how much of it and how should we regulate it. I mean, actually, Charleston's been pushing for more tourism for more than a century. But you're right, under, under Mayor Riley, I mean, in this last generation or so, the city is really having one of its greatest kind of boom periods. I mean, it, it's, it's gotten really hot and really successful. And along that time, that's that's when that's when these Palmetto Rose sellers came up. But interestingly, the more successful Charleston gets as a tourism destination, the along with that has come some incredibly aggressive city ordinances and regulations. Uh, the city regulates how many people can be in a walking tour, no more than 20. The city regulates where horse that. carriages can go. They have to pick a number, one, two, or three, which will send them to a different zone so they don't all go clog up the same neighborhood streets. The city used to require all tour guides to get a license. They still need to get a business license. Um, the licensing requirement was thrown out by a court, but even the city tour buses have to have their paint schemes approved by the city. I mean, the city's regulation of the tourism industry is something that's, I think, not well understood by not just tourists themselves, but but even some local residents, I don't think, realize just how aggressive city government has been to try to make sure that that line between residential quality of life and feeling like downtown Charleston is still sort of a normal place to live and to work, um, and in not just a, a museum or an attraction to go visit. Uh, so the city has been very proactive in regulating all sorts of things. Um, like, for instance, um, you see the, the sweet grass basket sellers out on the streets, and they're there because they have special permission. And the, that was allowed because the law essentially allows that as my understanding of course i'm not a lawyer because traditionally they've been out there selling so you if you wanted to go out in front of the federal building at broad and meeting streets and sell t-shirts you would get arrested um because that's not permissible but the city has made an exception for the sweet rats basket sellers because they are um a traditional they've been a on the streets for so many um, generations now. So the city tackled the Palmetto Rose cellar issue very much like it tried to tackle so many other aspects of um, of pressures that came from all this rise in tourism. They they tried to regulate it, and you know, I don't. I'm not surprised that some people aren't happy with regulation with the regulations. I mean, who? Who like who really wants to be regulated? I mean, it's just it's a it's a kind of a price of doing business downtown, and if you're in the if you're in business to work with tourists, but I'm it, I'm I'm not shocked that people are are trying to push back. Greg, when you were 
talking to some of the sellers last week, I mean, did they kind of speak to that it's feeling like they're being regulated more so now than they were before or or any other so frustrations much. with Charleston's yeah, growth? It wasn't so much that, but it was it was more just wholesale, like, why do we need a permit? They don't uh, – the and I'm talking about the, the people that aren't part of the city program. Right. But, um, you know, the ones that I spoke to said basically they don't see why they need a permit to sell roses that they've been making forever. Uh, another element into all this is, you know, even though – I think it's the roses are a relatively newer uh, create. I don't want to say creation, but have become much more popular recently. Um, you know, some of the kids that are selling these roses see it as, oh, this is always this is is part of my culture. This is part of you know our history and the city. Uh, one of them basically said, you know, the city should not be monopolizing that uh, and, and taking it over. And and you know, the guy I spoke to was very frank. He said. You know, honestly, this is just all for the tourists. All of this is for the tourists. And uh, and he's, you know, I think he's sort of right, personally. Uh, you know, and, and there, it's cool to see the, you know, if you've ever seen one being made, you know, it's really cool. And they can, like, it's really intricate, but also something that, um, you know, a young person can learn how to do. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, at least with the city program, what I saw was um, – I spoke to a young family that was out there, a mother and her two daughters. And she said, you know, I'm teaching my daughters how to make palmetto roses. And my mom taught me how to make them. And it's just, uh, for her, it was a nice way to spend quality time during the summer with her daughters, which was, uh, yeah. Sorry to, sorry to interrupt. So you were, you were talking about people that sell these roses, but are not part of the artisan program. So why, why would somebody not be part of the artisan program? So what I've heard before, what I've been hearing since last year really is that, uh, some people felt that the program is, uh, you know, it's too restrictive to have to. Basically, they felt like they were being limited to a certain you know, certain areas where they had kiosks. They couldn't kind of roam around and um, and and be more kind of proactive about their sales. And so they felt there's some people out there that feel like if they're allowed to just kind of you know go wherever they want to sell roses, then you know maybe they'll make some more money. Which, you know, for these, a lot of these kids, I mean, it is a way to help pay for, uh, you know, school clothes, for supplies, for, um, you know, that young family that I was speaking to last week, um, you know, perhaps a little bit more frivolous, but the uh, daughter who's 10 said, oh, I want, I'm saving up for an iPhone. It, it is a way to kind of pay for stuff for these kids. And yeah. Save up some money. I mean, I've heard offhandedly before that they actually can make a decent amount of money doing this. Is there any truth to that? I guess it's like a lot of sales. I mean, there are yeah. good days right. and bad days, but you're right on good days. I'm, it wouldn't surprise me if yeah. they could make close to a hundred dollars or so. I mean, yeah. they, they would sell for usually a dollar each or, or yeah, a maybe. buck or two, something like that. Yeah. And, and especially, you know, at some of these higher traffic places like a river dogs game or, I haven't had any confirmation that any of this has been secured yet, but at least that city officials are talking about exploring options like doing kind of basically contracting work with like, say, a wedding or something like that and have making palmetto roses for like every table or something like that at that, at some wedding uh, and, and doing more kind of work like that where it's not so much dependent on kind of, you know, kind of that like shoe leather type salesmanship, but still you know, big opportunities to sell a lot of their product 
and you know for these kids to make some good well money. do the yeah. does the city take any of the money no, from them okay so yeah the kids in the palmetto arson program uh they the whole program is free they go take essentially a business class and then if they don't know how to make a palmetto rose they'll also be taught how to make a palmetto rose uh and then they get the shirt which is basically a uniform for them uh for free and the city also purchases the palmetto fronds from a supplier. And uh, that's a concern yeah. because apparently if you don't harvest them correctly, you can damage the bud of the tree, which will kill it. I don't think right. I've heard that concern expressed. I haven't heard or seen a lot of instances where trees have been killed. Right. By, but yeah, I know, I know, that, I know the, that, that was a, the harvesting is, right. a, is, is that, important. That was an issue that came up in our, in our Facebook subscriber group. Actually, yeah. people were, were asking about it. Did, um, did you, were you able, able to find anything out about that or about, about like where where the palm fronds are yeah, so are coming city, from yeah the city, yeah the, the city buys them. The, okay um and and I think they're also in talks to secure some other sort of legitimate sources of of the raw material the, the palmetto fronds but the the big point I guess the city officials are trying to make to me is that you know the kids that are part of their program. Um, Presumably, are not the ones that are going around because there have been reports. Right, I was about to say, I used to have a property. little. I used to have a little yeah. palmetto tree in front of my in my front yard, and yeah. it was like there was these kids that came by every day. I didn't care, but I, you know, at yeah. first it was like startling because I was like, "Oh, there's people in my yard," but then I realized what was going on. <laughs> so, and this is I don't know. I have like random bits of knowledge about plants sometimes, but yeah, <laughs> what, what you were mentioning about the, the if you know if don't if you don't harvest it right, so a palmetto unlike other types of you know, palm like trees only has one bud. And so if you harvest that bud or damage that bud, it has potential to kill off the tree, but a different type of palm, I believe if I remember right, has multiple buds. So you can like kill one bud or two buds, but the tree will keep growing. And essentially what the bud is, it's almost like a kind of a, like a, you could almost think of it, I think like a flower and it, it mm-hmm. like sprouts off more fronds. Uh, huh. Another difference yeah. when people are always asking, what's the difference between a palm tree and, and a palm tree? I think there's, there's ways to harvest them without damaging definitely, that. So. Definitely. Um, and I think, you, you know, you don't have to know a whole lot. You don't have to be some kind of, like, you know, magical gardener. But uh, you do have to know some about where you can, like, prune off and where you can't. So are the people that are in the um, Palmetto Artisans, Palmetto Rose Artisans program, are yeah. they, do they seem, I mean, I know this is kind of a generalization, but you talk sure. to some of them last week, the ones that are actually in the yeah. program, are they happy with the program? Like the people that are in it? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I, you know, the, the mom and her two kids were really happy with it. I also spoke with um, a, a member of a, a church here in Charleston who kind of, since the program has started, um, you know, she weaves sweet grass baskets um, and she's a, an older lady that's been doing this for a long time and posts up often by waterfront park. And, uh, anyway, so that this, uh, woman was saying, you know, I, I've, since the program got started, I, I, you know, jumped on board with that, had, you know, kids from my church kind of come on board with that program. And, and she says, by and large, you know, the, the kids are pretty happy with it. Uh, they also through the church and through kind of the, the proceeds that they raise through Palmetto uh, Rose sales, they have funded like some trips to like, DC and just different things and given like almost like scholarships for when they go to college and things like that. And so it's, cool. it's for a lot of these, these groups, I think it's very much kind of like a, 
you know, youth development and kind of, you know, keeping kids on the straight and narrow sort of thing. I want to, I want to ask about sort of the racial undertones of, sure. of, of the whole thing. So like predominantly the, the people making and selling these roses are African-American, right? Um, From what I've seen. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, in, in doing some research for this episode, I, you know, I found some discussion um, on, in our paper. It, it's sort of a known issue that there aren't a whole lot of minority owned businesses in, in Charleston. We actually have a, a pretty sizable minority population here. Yeah. Um, and so th- there is some some talk out there about how, like, you know, there need to be efforts to, like, increase entrepreneurship and, like, give minority people opportunities to to become business owners. Um so I'm I'm just kind of curious, like what what were what have people been telling telling you about the racial dynamics of of all of this, or or does that come up when you talk to people? So uh, nobody really touches on it directly, right? I think at, at least in you know the people that I've talked to, and you know a lot of these younger kids, particularly the younger ones, obviously they're just out there concerned about you know saving out enough money for right. an iPhone or something like that. Yeah. Um. But I I think it Nor- normal normal kid stuff. Normal kid stuff yeah. exactly. And I think the what is definitely interesting is so this is still a, a program that has just seen its uh, what twelve years now yeah twelve years uh, if it was uh, started in 07. and so presumably maybe some of these kids that started off you know that first kind of cohort of Palmetto artisans are you know in their late twenties thirties that sort of thing and it, it would you know I think it would be interesting to see how many of them maybe have gone on to start businesses whether it's here or somewhere else who knows. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but to see, uh, you know, does this program through the city where you go through a business class and, and you learn about kind of salesmanship, and, you know, running of a business of your own, has that translated into kind of a, a passion for business or a certain skill set into adulthood? In talking to uh, Ruth Jordan, who's the kind of the head of the city's women and minority business uh, entrepreneurship mm-hmm. office, rather. She, you know, she she definitely seemed like she was focused on kind of these issues and right. finding new ways to kind of revamp the program and, and make it a little more, you know, maybe a little bit less completely reliant on like, you know, foot hand to hand sales, but kind of bringing it you know, online. Maybe I think there could be some cool stuff uh, from what she told me coming down the line in terms of kind of expanding the program and, and teaching more of a skill set for the 21st century. Yeah, that could be yeah. interesting. Yeah. It is true that most of the Palmetto Rose sellers are African American and and the areas where they are selling are predominant are parts of the city where the residents are prom- primarily white. So there is that sort of dynamic there. That said, I I think the tension is less perhaps racial than it is just the tension between the commercial tourism pressure and the residential and the residential quality of life. I mean, like Greg said, the seller, one of the sellers he talked to said, yeah, this is all for the tourists. And I think the tourists may very well appreciate it. Uh, but if you live next to Waterfront Park and, and walk through there, you probably don't appreciate getting solicited by somebody wanting to, to sell you these things. And you know, I can understand why these sellers would argue, well, we've been doing it for a long time, almost like trying to make the argument like they're sweet grass basket sowers. On the other hand, you know, what if um, what if somebody started at Waterfront Park and put out a big blanket and tried to sell his paintings um, or her paintings? Or what if they tried to sell pottery or ceramic? How much, how much unregulated commercial selling or do we want in our city parks and on our city streets before, you know, if, if we let it just go? 
then there's a real chance that it'll sort of change the dynamic of downtown and probably from the resident standpoint, not in a good way. And I think that's really the the main source of the tension as opposed to as opposed to race. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. I haven't really thought about it that way. That's like a yeah, yeah that's a tricky, <laughs> tricky thing to navigate um, for sure. I mean, the, you know, the other thing I will say about race, though, is, you know, kind of as I mentioned earlier, it we do have these gentrifying downtown neighborhoods, too. Right. And I mean, yeah. it would be an assumption here, but I would think that a lot of the sellers probably live in like some of these downtown neighborhoods that are historically black. I don't know. I mean, that, um, that's per- an assumption. Perhaps. I mean, yeah, it would just make sense because they're selling downtown that they might live here. So I, you know, I guess like my other thought, I mean, this is all just like speculation, but yeah, I mean, if some of the increase in tensions lately, you know, it was kind of that we've been doing this forever. You know, we've yeah. been doing this a long time. It's kind of the same thing of these people that are losing their homes that they've had in their families forever. Sure. You know, and I don't know if that's related or not, but I mean, I'm, I'm sure that that tension is kind of building a little, you know, the things go hand in hand. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that, that's some interesting food for thought. I don't know. Yeah. I'm like, I, I don't know that I can like fully answer that. Right. It's, yeah. It's, I just yeah. kind of was thinking it through. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. It's kind of a, a, the classic tension between like, the, the, you know, as, as a city grows and develops and as, as tourism increases, you know, people right. benefit from it and, you know, experience it in different ways. And it's just a right. constant balancing act to try to figure out how to make everybody as happy right. as possible. But, right. <laughs> right. And, and traditionally, you know, generations ago, you had you had um, you had African-American vendors, you know, going up and down the street selling flowers and shrimp and delivering delivering the, the newspaper. And, uh, you know, I, I think he passed away a couple years ago, but Tony, the peanut man, he was kind of the last mm-hmm. vestige of some of those street sellers. And obviously he, you know, worked out of you know, river dogs, uh, river dogs games and stuff out of the, out of the Joe. But, um, and one thing I, I was just reminded of actually. So one of the things that I heard from, uh, the unlicensed sellers is, uh, you know, because a lot of these, particularly the younger kids, you know, middle school, high school age kids, they're selling these roses to, um, you know, to help, you know, pay for school supplies or, you know, help out with their sports team or something like that. And, you know, one of the points that a few of them brought up to me is, you know, kids in schools sell stuff all the time. They have, you know, whatever it is, bake sale or sell candy bars or whatever it is. Right. And you don't need a permit for any of that. No, oh, yeah. Yeah, you just. Oh, yeah. I, I, I remember doing that. Like, it's a yeah. raising money for debate oh, club, for like sure. selling Krispy yeah. Kreme. Yeah, lemonade stand. Yeah. Yeah. Selling and, magazines, you know. And one of their, you know, and they didn't say, you know, they, they weren't coming out here and saying that it, you know, oh, this is, you know, racist or anything like that. But I think that there's some subtext there like that. Definitely. Maybe not, you know, I don't know if it's you know, racial subtext or not. Maybe that's yeah. reading a little bit too much into it. But, but there definitely is, I guess, some tension within that too of, you know, why can't we sell roses when these other kids get to, you know, sell the chocolate bars I want or whatever? Mm. Girl Scouts. Mm. I mean, you know, sure. they go yeah. door to door. Like yeah. that's or outside of like grocery stores. Yeah. 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 I think I think this is a, a good place to wrap it up. Um Brooks, do you feel like you understand South Carolina better? Yeah, definitely. I mean, this is like this has been a really great conversation because it's just this one topic, which is just like Palmetto Rose seller, but it is kind of, I don't know, symbolic about all of these other like underlying issues that are happening in Charleston and didn't think that, you know, this one topic could like spur so much discussion. Yeah. What about you? Uh, Yeah. I, you know, going into these episodes, it's always kind of hit or miss whether or not it's something that I know a lot about or not. This is one of those cases where 
Uh, I did not know anything about Palmetto Roses yeah, before, <laughs> before before this week. Um, so it's it's really, really interesting to me. Like, it's always there in the background. You know, I've walked down the street and been approached and, like, handed, you know, gotten the aggressive sales pitch and everything. But, yeah, I just never thought about the, the like, logistics and the consequences and the tensions around why that exists and, and how, like, why, like, how it's a Charleston thing. It, it's very, very interesting. Well, thank you guys so much for being on the show. Thank you for having us. Yes, thanks. Um, and we also have another episode featuring Robert. Um, he was on an earlier episode we did about I-526 extension. Great um, episode. Yes. You yeah. are passionate about traffic and transportation here. That is a, and development. Uh, that is a good one to listen to for sure. Yeah. And one last thing before we go, can you uh, go ahead and tell people how to follow both of you on, uh, inter- on, the, on the internet? <laughs> yeah, on uh, Twitter, I am at Gregory Y.E. I'm at Robert F. Barra, B-E-H-R-E. All right, go out there and follow. Both good follows. Till next week. All right, and that's all. Understand South Carolina is a production of The Post and Courier in Charleston. Our theme song is by Billy Fountain. You can stream his music by searching for Billy, that's with an I-E, Fountain, on Spotify. We'd love to hear what you think about the show. You can get in touch with us by emailing understandsc at postandcourier.com, or, of course, you can tweet at us with any questions or comments. And if you're a fan of the show, please take a second to like us and leave a rating on the Apple Podcast Store. See y'all later. <laughs>